I'm Reverend J. Stuart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Today, I am delighted to be sitting with Jill Ng. She is the founder of the Evermore Collective and the author of Never Too Broken, Embracing Transparency to Build Authentic Relationships. This book is, is being released on August 27th, and it speaks boldly to those who want to live for Christ. Jill, welcome to the room. And could you just tell us a bit about yourself and how you uh, were led to to embrace this passion of yours? Yes. Hi, Reverend Jay. It's so good to meet you and talk to you. Thank you for having me. Um, My husband and I um, met at Trinity International University, where I was studying biblical studies and where he was getting his master's in counseling psychology. Um, When we first got married, we wanted to have a family but didn't have one biologically so we decided to adopt and through the adoption process we have learned an incredible amount about god's heart and through the journey of adopting kids that we found out later had very serious mental health issues and behavioral struggles Mm -hmm. we have found a new understanding of god's grace his love and the importance of valuing all people as restorable. And so this this new resource that I've made, um, the book Never Too Broken that you mentioned, is an outpouring of what I've been able to learn, not only about brokenness and how I've discovered my own brokenness, Mm -hmm. but how aligning my life with God's heart and understanding his heart by loving people that are hard to love (laughs) Mm -hmm. has allowed me to have personal healing and walk alongside others in their healing. And I do kind of reference a little bit in the book about some church hurt that happened Mm -hmm. early in my journey and working in the church and how walking away from a church allowed me to come back to one Mm -hmm. with a different heart. And so this is kind of an overflow of believing in people being restorable and believing not only for my kids, but also for the church leaders who hurt me in the past. And so it's kind of saying, hey, guys, the church leaders are imperfect. They're going to fail us. But God doesn't. And that we can still see God's heart through loving people even after they hurt you. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's um, funny that we even mention church hurt and uh, or being hurt by religious authorities. Um, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be preaching on a subject that is very closely related. It uh, comes from the Gospel of John, um, the ninth chapter, in which a blind man is, um, Jesus heals a blind man, and when then he's interrogated by the religious authorities, then he t- accurately told his story of his encounter with mm-hmm. Christ. They got very upset and threw him out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, yeah. I I shouldn't laugh, but that is a reality. No, it's, it's a it's a reality in that happens in the church, and we, we can come back to that because it's um, the per the church is an imperfect place with imperfect people, but but uh, it's important. I'm glad to hear that you came back to the church because we are the church, right? And and if right. if we leave for good, then what does that leave um leave in terms of the ministry and our impact in this world? One thing that um, one thing that you um, on I believe I got this from your website or your bio somewhere. It says nothing brings 
me more joy than seeing people transform into the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I um, I was on a retreat once, and I was looking at a very beautiful place, and I was looking at the the sunset, and and I said, you know, theologians tell us that we can. Uh, get excited about God's creation and see the glory of God through his creation. But I Mm -hmm. realized that I also see God's activity in his rebuilding people's lives and and restoring people. And I also get excited about that. So could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I totally see it the same way. I think sometimes we forget that we are part of nature, Mm -hmm. that we were created by God, that we are his, delighted in creation that we are loved by him and treasured by him and so often we forget that he created our lives a specific way so that we could delight in the way that he created us mm-hmm. so i try to talk about god's heart that's like the second part of my book um i have like four chapters in each of the four parts mm-hmm. and then the fifth part is kind of like an evaluation like a review but that second part of the book is all about god's heart how he longs for us to have community Mm-hmm. how he longs for us to know him, how he longs for us to accept our brokenness, mm-hmm. and how he longs for us to choose obedience. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you don't understand that we were created intentionally to be in community with other people, mm-hmm. and that we are a communal, we are communal creatures because that reflects God's communal nature, mm-hmm. then you might forget that we need each other and we need to see each other as reflections of God. And that's imperfect people not just people that we think are perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I actually talk a lot about the fact that I've not met a person who's arrived yet. (laughs) I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. You seem pretty great, Reverend (laughs) Jay, but I know you're imperfect. And I've noticed that as I've embraced my imperfections and my brokenness, I've been able to love other people more. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to see that God actually loves me despite my brokenness, and I don't need to hide it. I can allow God to see my brokenness and allow other people to see my brokenness and that the love is so much sweeter Mm -hmm. when people have the choice. I mean, I do talk about how God gave us choice and how the quality of love. I mean, if you're forced to love somebody, Mm. it doesn't, it's not real, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And we have five adopted kids, two of which that are in residential treatment centers. Mm -hmm. And I've had so many people say to me, how do you trust God when, you know, your kids are, you know, struggling and are making bad choices and are being unsafe and aren't Mm -hmm. living with you. Mm -hmm. And I remind them that I didn't hurt them. Mm -hmm. They were hurt by other people. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, um, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I've definitely hurt them on accident, Mm -hmm. but never have I put them in harm's way intentionally ever. Mm -hmm. But the process of loving somebody who rejects you constantly because of the untrustworthiness Mm -hmm. of other humans Mm -hmm. allows you to treasure when you're trusted Mm -hmm. and allows you to enjoy those sweet moments of being really authentically loved. And it taught me so much about God's heart for us that he created us and gave us that choice to love him back. Mm -hmm. And that when we allow each other to see all of us, and decide if they want to love us back, it allows us to really appreciate that part of God's heart mm-hmm. in a totally different way. Well, I use the image of Kintsugi. I don't know if you've ever heard 
of Kintsugi. Mm -hmm. It's a Japanese art form where they take a broken piece of, usually it's like a plate or a bowl, sometimes a cup, mm -hmm. but usually some kind of dish. And when it breaks, it's already a treasured item. So it's something that they want to keep. But then when it breaks and it gets restored meticulously and all the broken pieces and all the shards are put all back together, the item is actually worth more mm -hmm. because the gold sees all the imperfection. Mm -hmm. It kind of it like pours into the different cracks and then creates this beautiful new piece that's more beautiful than the art than the dish was before. Mm -hmm. And I try to use this image as a way we can see the way that God created his creation. He knew we were going to break. Mm -hmm. He knew we were going to be imperfect. And we can try to, you know, to do DIY ourselves mm -hmm. and shalop ourselves back together um, with some crazy glue or whatever. But if we allow God to mend us back with gold and use his skill as an artist to mend us intentionally and carefully and skillfully, then the way that we're mended is so much more appreciated and able to be celebrated instead of something that makes us think we have to feel shameful about. So our brokenness doesn't have to be hidden. It can be illuminated so that people can see what God's done. Mm -hmm. And that's just our choice. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, um, I think that uh, sometimes people, you know, in, according to how they were perhaps um, introduced to God in a poor way, um, you know, as being a God of judgment who's just waiting to send you to hell. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think that um, uh, we, we recoil and, and we feel like we have to be in our perfect um, best behavior in the presence of God. So as opposed to going into a, a space of prayer with, with openness and, and all your imperfections and all in the presence of God, we tend to avoid that space. Um, be yeah. because of our brokenness, we feel as though we're not good enough to go in front of God in prayer, which is a terrible, right. which is a tragedy, and we have a misunderstanding of the very heart of God. So that, right. that, that ought to be a great portion for reading in your book. That's the second chapter you said? Yeah, and God's. then my third, yeah, my third and fourth chapter, I use a lot more like biblical stories. I do use some when I'm talking about God's heart, obviously, mm -hmm. but I do use it as I talk about personal healing, and I'm very upfront about my brokenness, I actually list out all my sins for mm. you. You get to read all my sins mm -hmm. um, areas and how I struggle. And I try to model the ways that I've embraced my brokenness mm -hmm. without going to shame. I try to talk about, like to your point, you know, people try to put each other in fear and in shame mm -hmm. um, because they feel shameful about their sin. Mm -hmm. But God doesn't bring forth our sin to shame us. Right. He brings forth our sh our brokenness so that we can feel responsibility and remorse so mm -hmm. that we can mend our relationships. Mm -hmm. those and who, he doesn't want us to sit in shame. Shame is not of him at all. Those and who call so on I the think, Lord, those who call on the Lord will never be put to shame. <laughs> exactly. It's all over scripture. Mm -hmm. But so frequently people that want to control others and want people to follow them blindly ignore that and utilize shame to place people in a place of submission. Mm -hmm. And God did not create us to be in submission to each other. Mm -hmm. he, he created a structure where we can be mutually submissive, mm -hmm. where we can say, I'm broken, so are you. How can we support each other? How can we come alongside each other? And, and so I talk about how to do that in confessing together, in 
um, repenting alongside community or within community. I talk about um, extending forgiveness mm-hmm. and how that can really more for the person forgiving than the person that's being forgiven. Right. And then how to provide support and accountability. And so I try to kind of outline not only how to do it on your own, but then when you're walking, walking alongside someone that you love and you see their brokenness and they're willing to admit their brokenness, how to encourage them and support them and model things, but also create accountability that's not punitive, that's not shame-based, mm-hmm. which is something we're not very familiar with. Right. And it's really unnatural. It's not very organic. And so I kind of confront that issue to say, because this is not organic to us anymore because of the way our culture is structured, it feels wrong, even though it's very good. And when it's proactive and it's loving, it feels really good. But if it's reactive to behavior, then it stems from shame and it leads to criticism and judgment of each other. And so I kind of try to talk about how to navigate that and how to love people and allow other people to love you when mm-hmm. you think you deserve to feel shame. Mm-hmm. One of the, um, one of the uh, reviews in your book, for your book that's listed on the website, it says, an honest look into the brokenness many within churches fail to embrace. And never too broken fosters the discovery of human worthiness through the bold, bold call to live according to biblical repentance, forgiveness, and support. Prepare to be seen and to engage anew with who you are called to be. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, when we talk about the very first sentence of this review that says, an honest look into the brokenness many within churches fail to embrace. Um, it's very, it seems strange that the church, which is, which is like an emergency room for broken people would be the very place that this healing is, is not embraced. So could you just talk about the, the, um, the difficulty in, in the church context of allowing people's healing to be lived out? I feel really loved, Reverend Jay, by the way that you've really captured my heart on this. Mm -hmm. Like, I really feel like you've embraced it. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Thank you for that encouragement. Thank you. Um, The first, the intro to my book, like the first part of the book, is just an intro that actually starts with a letter that I wrote to the church Mm -hmm. out of, quite honestly, despair. Mm -hmm. It seemed at first when I wrote it, it was out of anger. Mm-hmm. But when I really sat and took a good look at it, <laughs> I realized it was written from a place of really longing for the church mm-hmm. to be what it was intended to be. And I actually haven't told you this, but I'm actually, this book actually had a uh, like a, another part to it mm-hmm. that I actually ended up not including in this book because it, A, it got very long, right. and B, I think it has a different audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a, another book that I'm going to be working on next that is going to be a resource for church leaders. And Mm -hmm. I actually love that you called churches a hospital because I actually say in that letter, like, why are we creating that? Why do we have factories of good people? Mm -hmm. We should be creating healing places. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but if you walk into a church and you feel like you have to put on this false sense of yourself, you have to pretend you have to have your Instagram version of yourself ready to go with your, you know, matching outfits and happy smile and being fine. Um, 
then people don't get to walk alongside you in those dark moments. Mm-hmm. And we lived through so many dark and hard moments. And being in the church was so hard because I felt like I was a disaster and everyone else was fine. Mm-hmm. And I had such a hard time being in that place. Being a woman is already very difficult in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently read a book called She Deserves Better um, that like changed my perspective on the way I saw myself as a woman and have been seen by people. I actually developed a focus group for this book that I wrote um, in this past January where I had a handful of people that were very bold. A lot of the people that wrote those reviews on the website right now, mm-hmm. they read it and I wanted them to give me this really honest feedback saying, hey, Jill, don't publish this. This was just for you. This is therapeutic. That's what I was hoping they would say. Right. Um, but they came back saying, I needed to hear this. Mm-hmm. I needed to hear that it's okay to be repulsed by some of the ways church leaders hide their brokenness. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be frustrated with people that make mistakes and these awesome, holy, incredible people that love the Lord, but are failing. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing a lot in our churches is we're canceling people, right? The same way that our culture is. They're canceling people and they make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We have to look at David, you know, like King David from the Bible, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love in First Samuel where there's so much about David's journey, but never one time did God say that David was perfect or flawless or had great behavior. Mm-hmm. They said he had a, a heart. God said he had a heart, you know, that, that was of me. That was mine. He mm-hmm. cherished me. And one of the favorite, our favorite Psalm, Psalm 51, one of my favorite Psalms, not ours. It's just mine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> when David wrote Psalm 51, the title of it in most Bibles is something to the effect of after David confesses to Nathan about his affair with Bathsheba. Right. And so I talk about the fact that these words that we use from David so frequently created me a clean heart. You know, songs are written about this mm-hmm. left and right. If you read Psalm 51, I mean, I use it actually several times in my book to refer to because it's something that's so commonly used. But this is immediately after David is repentant mm-hmm. of his behavior of having an affair and having a man killed so right. he could be with his wife. Right. If right. we take out church leaders, when they make mistakes, we could be missing the most beautiful words they've ever created. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. could be missing the opportunity to walk along them, uh, walk alongside them as they deal with their remorse, as they reconcile. Not mm-hmm. to say that every you know, senior pastor that fails should get to continue to speak every Sunday. Right. But why aren't we finding other ways to love these people that are broken? Why aren't we holding them dear? Are we taking care of these leaders in our church who have been put on this pedestal that they don't necessarily want to be on. Right. Um, and if they do want to be on it, how do we help keep them in a place where they don't need to be on it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just kind of discussing that idea to say David and his brokenness was the most beautiful version of himself. Mm-hmm. And he was able to say things that we all need to hear that bring us closer to the Lord and that intimacy grows in us as we confront our brokenness. And if we don't allow each other to be broken in front of each other, we miss an opportunity to see who God is mm-hmm. in those moments. Mm-hmm. And we don't normalize our sin. We hide it. And then we don't get to see all the things God's doing. 
Mm -hmm. So, you know, that again reminds me of this scripture that I'm going to be preaching on tomorrow. And, and um, it talks about when, when they, um, the disciples were, uh, well, the neighbors wanted to know who sinned <laughs> that caused this man to be blind. Right. They, were, they were preoccupied with finding out, you know, what was his sin, when did it happen, and, and yeah. who, who did it. And, but Jesus yeah. answered them in a way said that, that implied, listen, um, there's a better question. There's something more to learn from this event or the, mm-hmm. his, his condition, which is to watch the God work in him, bringing about restoration, healing, and prospering his life. Um, right. So, so there is there is much to what you're saying, and and I actually look forward to um, reading your book and and perhaps um, having you come back on sometime. Um, so let yeah, me see I now. Um, you know, it says um, once another one of the reviews just simply mentions that. Um, it has allowed them to be honest with me about their sin and has begun to set them free. So there's a transparency. You know, I remember years ago, I had a psychology professor that said, listen, we need to learn how to accept ourselves, warts mm-hmm. and all, warts and all. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so um, uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about um, trying to cover our sin. You know, when, when uh, I've heard it said that when Adam and Eve when they covered their selves with leaves, this was man's first attempt at religion. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. what's the harm in trying to cover up our inadequacies and our shortcomings? I would say that the biggest harm is that we start to encourage other people to cover up theirs. Mm-hmm. I think that when I was growing up in the church, I was told I was too bold, too convicted really mm-hmm. too honest mm-hmm. too sure of myself too confident in what God was saying and I was a woman mm-hmm. and so my struggle was is this because I'm saying things that are unbiblical or is this because I'm convicting people and they're feeling they're feeling that my words are hurting them. So I, I really talk about the fact that I thought for so long that I was the person doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. But what I learned was that when other people were convicted by the Holy Spirit, they were blaming me mm-hmm. for the shame that they felt. Right. Well, let me and just, I'm not saying let me just I was back always up. on the ball, right? Let me just back up a second. Um, when you said because you were a woman, um, yeah. what, what is at the core of that? I mean, I, I think I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to pull yeah. it out of you. What is the what is the sure. the reference to direct. the woman? Yeah. Yeah, I can be direct. Thank um you. I think that I have been given gifts by God that are not respected in the church mm-hmm. today that were respected in the early church. Right. I think women have an ability to love and understand God's heart in a unique way mm-hmm. that is underutilized in the church. Mm-hmm. I have also, I kind of referred to the book, She Deserves Better by Sheila. I think it's Greg, Greg, I forgot her last name, but it's an amazing book. She talks about the hurt in the church and how men have actually, a lot of men in the past, not you, I'm not saying you, <laughs> but men in, in general, maybe uh-huh. you, I don't know. I don't think so, though. Um, But I think we all do it. We've all been kind of brainwashed in a way by the church utilizing 
a few pieces of scripture that allow men to have this authority over women Mm -hmm. to keep them in their place so they don't hold them accountable. I think God gave Adam Eve as a companion because she would hold him accountable. Mm -hmm. She brought sin into the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. But she also was the first one to admit it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She was willing to take on the consequence of her actions as well. Mm -hmm. And while sin is is rampant in all of us and women are emotional when that's pushed away from the men mm-hmm. in leadership it becomes this toxic environment mm-hmm. of performance yes. and success and women are not typically not all women but they're it's very few and far between that women are success and driven by fame mm-hmm. the way that men are and i'm not saying that that is the only negative thing i think women have lots of negative things that a lot of women struggle with but i think they're ignored in the mm-hmm. church absolutely as tools mm-hmm. women are ignored as tools that could be used to bring forth a part of god's heart that's being ignored mm-hmm. and i think that's the sensitive part of god's heart i think it's the accountability centered part of god's heart women raise do a lot of the raising of their children mm-hmm. because they're fantastic at accountability mm-hmm. they're fantastic at saying I love you even though I don't love what you did. Mm -hmm. You matter to me even though you failed. And so when these leaders are walking alongside other men who have a really hard time feeling disrespected and feeling like their failures are being made known, when they're not also given that warmth of a woman's heart for the man and a desire to see them be restored, there's not that partnership that could be happening. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot more to this, right? There is. <laughs> but I, there is. A, I um, let me just say, let me say this. I um, I I rarely respond in comments on social media and Facebook and all that stuff. But there was one guy who posted um, that um, you know, women shouldn't be preachers and teachers in the church or leaders. And I posted in reply to him. I said, listen, um, a woman conceived the word of God. Mm-hmm. A woman carried the word of God, mm-hmm. and a woman delivered the word of God. So where's the problem? <laughs> yeah, I agree, and I I think th- people don't realize how countercultural it is that there are any women in the Bible at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that women are even referenced, that they are even noticed, that they are ever positively spoken of, because culturally in that time, the way they're spoken about is so rare compared to other documents. Mm. And so when you look at it in that way and you see that women weren't really recorded very much, even like royalty, there were women, there's barely anything about them Mm. because they weren't respected in that way. Mm -hmm. I think what happens is a lot of people ignore um, the, the magnitude of the systemic issues that are happening in our churches. Mm-hmm. And I think that it does include race, it does include gender, it does include a lot of things. And mm-hmm. so we need to unpack each of those. For me, being a woman was a big part of it mm-hmm. because my gifting wasn't being appreciated or utilized. And so I didn't feel like I was able to be obedient to God in the places that I felt called to be. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying in my churches that I worked at to bring forth accountability and support and encouragement. But the men around me that were hearing me 
be honest about their brokenness were trying to push me into a corner and tell me to be quiet or to get out. Right. And I was never trying to embarrass anybody. Mm-hmm. But then years later when their sin issues came to the surface, people are like, we should have listened to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I didn't need to be listened to. I needed to show him I care about him by speaking up for him. Mm-hmm. It was never about their sin. It was always about wanting restoration for them. Right. I never want to come to someone and say, I see this sin issue in you. Sin and issue in you. I want to bring you down. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, I see this in this sin issue in you. How can I support you mm-hmm. so you don't fall? Mm-hmm. I want to be there with you. And I even came into this church that we're actually going to now. That's actually really close to our house. And my husband, I said we went to Trinity International University. He went to the master's mm-hmm. program there, the graduate school. Mm-hmm. And so he had a lot of friends that were in seminary. And one of his friends from his master's degree um, for counseling psychology actually married one of the seminary degree or seminary guys, and they lead the church. And we hadn't been going because we wanted, we have a very diverse family. My husband's Chinese, and then we've adopted two black kids mm-hmm. and three Hispanic kids. Mm-hmm. And so we have a very, and I'm, very, very European white, a little hybrid. Okay. So we are, there's no, you know, there's no ease of being in any church setting for us because our churches are so segregated. Right. But being a woman, even before I had a diverse family, being a woman put me in a place where I couldn't be myself Mm -hmm. in my gifting. And so I've been really encouraged over the last several years to utilize my gifting but to not be given too much. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't think women are given the same opportunities to experiment, mm-hmm. to be trained, to be encouraged. Like we went to a church for a long time that I loved, and they had me come and share my testimony via a video, mm-hmm. but they also did like sermon prep, like a sermon prep group that I was not invited to be a part of, even though I had a biblical studies major, right. had spoken at events, had spoken at other things and I was not allowed to be in it because I was a woman. Wow. And to me, I just don't understand why I can use my testimony, but then not use right. other things that I say. It just didn't line up to me. Mm-hmm. And so I've just been really working on that and confronting that and trying to see, okay, Lord, if this is my gifting, if this is the way you've made me, how do I live out of that? And how do I use the way that you've made me to bring you, you more glory and to allow people to see your heart? Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to like separate the two of woman being a part of who I am, but not being a definitive piece of who I am. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example of um, one of my, one of the biblical stories where Jesus encounters a woman at a well. And, mm-hmm. and, and when most people read this story, most religious minds read this story, they tend to walk away from this story with a, a slanderous uh, um, indictment against the woman, saying that, oh, she had five husbands and and, mm-hmm. and and but but I believe that Jesus was raising the issue of lawlessness. How could a woman have five husbands in such a short period of time without them um, not um, following the laws and traditions around the issue of marriage? Um, so what they were doing was, you know, ultimately passing her around like a bag of potato chips. 
um, with, the yeah. to- with a total disregard for the law. So there was a lawlessness yeah. that was the that was the indictment that was being served up. It wasn't the woman's character. But um, right. but so and, and there, there are others. We find other stories in which Jesus actually um, lifts up the women in an honorable way. So men's patriarchal um, history in the church and the corporate world is, is a reality. And, and we need to press on towards the dismantling of these, these concepts. But now yeah. now um, I think this would be a good place for us to rest in. And Jill, I want to thank you for coming in. I look forward to the release of your book. Where can you just tell us where this book will be available at? Yeah, for starters, it'll be on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, I have um, I'm self-publishing mm-hmm. just due to a lot of my friends that are authors it, um, suggesting that I do so. Um, and then just really, I didn't want to be falsely represented but represented by people who hadn't been invested in my book. And so I really wanted people that had genuinely read my book, genuinely supported my book and given me real good feedback and criticism and such. So I really developed this focus group and got my book edited by a friend who's an incredible, incredible asset um, to my journey. And so, yeah, it's going to be available on Amazon. I also um, was able to record the audio book. Mm-hmm. And I'm just finished with it. So doing the last edit. So I'm hopefully going to be able to get that up next week. And then I also am going to have an ebook version up on Amazon. So hopefully all three of those will be up next week sometime. And for anybody that's local in Milwaukee area, um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for those of you in New York, <laughs> it's a journey. But if anybody's in Milwaukee and wants to hit up, we're having a fun lunch party next week. So if anybody's around, I would love to have you. And I'm going to be doing a Q&A. But I'll also have some of that up on my Facebook and Instagram. So wh- what is the um, the uh, podcast? Do you have a podcast that you do? Yes, I, I do have a podcast that I did um, in the winter. It's called You Have What It Takes. And my podcast is about um, trauma with foster and adoptive kids. Mm-hmm. I talk about the lies that kids believe, that we all believe. We all struggle with these lies. But when kids believe them so deeply how they affect the way that they receive love and so how to kind of combat that Mm -hmm. um and that remembering that we don't actually have what it takes but we have the support of the one that does Mm -hmm. and so that's really what that podcast is about and if so if you want to learn about my story of my family i do talk about some of it in my book but a lot more of that is in that podcast um i do have like 11 episodes or something but i kind of just went through the lies that we believe or that kids believe um, and so that was really the main point of that podcast. Um, but I am hoping I'm coming up with a workbook. I'm almost done with that as well. That will be available probably next month. That is to be an accessory and a support resource for the book um, mm-hmm. that will be available. And then I'm hoping to walk through it on a podcast type level that will probably be called Never Too Broken. I haven't looked into it yet, but um, that'll probably be my next step this fall. Amen. Well, Jill, I want to thank you for coming on. Jill is the author of Never Too Broken, Embracing Transparency to Build Authentic Relationships. It's coming out on August 27th. You've been listening to Faith Talk. I, I, would, uh, I would appreciate it if you went to the website, uh, www.revenjstuartglover.com, where you can sign up as a, 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 for the mailing list. You can register as a guest on the episode, on an upcoming episode. 
And um, just lastly, Jill, thank you so much for coming on. And um, I hope to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'd love to be back. You're such a wonderful human and I can just feel the love and the support of what God's doing I would, through my life. So thank you. I would encourage you to continue to press on in your ministerial yeah. efforts and, and use the gifts that God has given you. Thank you. I'll try. And <laughs> where, thank you. Thank whether, you. Whether we get kicked out of the, you know, the um, some places who don't want us, just keep pressing yeah. forward and, yeah. and, and God will prosper your life. Thank you so hey, much for if coming. Get, if we get if we get kicked out, we're looking more like Jesus, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there with you. Right. I'll help you. I'll help pick you up when you get kicked out too. Thanks, Thank you Jay, so for much. Everything. God bless Thanks. you. Bye bye. You too. Bye.